Hey everyone, so we just finished recording an episode with Lori Hammer, a colleague of ours, and we talked all about brain health and amino acid therapy and how important it is to really work top down when it comes to our health because when our brain isn't nourished or we're not fueling our brain the way it needs, it's really hard to make decisions about our health or our emotional health or even our mental health. Yeah, it was a it was a great conversation and, and hearing some of her story of, of the challenges that she went through and some of the you know the conventional uh, processes that were in play as, as a result of you know how how things were best taken care of at the time. Um, if she only knew you know what she knew now, she would have been able to get through the challenges probably a whole lot easier and and understanding more about brain health and amino acids and whatnot. So lots of great nuggets in there for people. Yeah, and it's something that's for everyone. And you know she spoke about eating disorders. We talked about anxiety. We talked about depression. And we talked about gut health as well. So there's lots of little nuggets for everyone to experience with this conversation. Enjoy. Welcome to the Health Ignited podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Health Ignited. It's Dr. Sonia with Dr. Nick here, and we are talking to one of our colleagues today, so we're really excited to share her wisdom with you all about amino acid therapy, the therapy that you know we utilize in our clinic, but I think you really needed to hear her perspective so that you can really understand how you can best utilize it in your treatment plans. So Lori Hammer is an amazing woman that has so many hats on as mom, caretaker, nurse, nutritionist, you name it, she's got it. And she's also had her own story with, um, you know, a few different things from depression, eating disorders, a cancer diagnosis. She's really walked her talk. And we love bringing people onto our podcast that have had that self-experience so that they can best serve their patients and their clients. So thank you, Laurie, for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great. Great to be here, guys. <laughs> So, I mean, you've got such a plethora of, you know, you, you said a, a woman in, or, or wearing many hats and very, you're extremely versatile. Uh, I'd love to just kind of lead in with that. Like, what has that allowed you to be or how has that allowed you to show up for your people by having this, this versatility, you know, being a mom and nurse and all those things. So what are, what are some of those characteristics you feel that you've been able to pull into how you help people? I think it just gives you a, I think just as a woman in general, when you're a mom and a wife, and you're a practitioner. Um, I see mainly women, so I can just relate to them on a lot of different levels, you know, so as a wife and as a mom, as I'm dealing with them as a practitioner, because some of the nuances, they feel a little, you get a little crazy in the head and you think you're the only person who's dealing with this as a woman. And, and it's never true. You know, there's always so many other women out there dealing with the same thing. So I think I can just meet them sort of on a practical level that I, you know, if I wasn't a mom or wife, I wouldn't be able to necessarily do that maybe as effectively in some areas. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I fully resonate with that. I think our self-experience with our own roles that we play in our lives can really help us relate to what they're moving through in their daily lives. And I think what you said was so important that we do feel like we're all alone yeah. and that we're crazy and that this happens to nobody. And then you start talking to women and you start to understand that, well, actually, this is a story of all of us. It just shows up in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And I so- feel like we get so disconnected. Mm-hmm. And so being able to uh, give them permission to be connected in a different way, I think is, is vital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I love your vulnerability that you share on your website and you talk about, you know, some of the challenges that you've been through. Um, so help, help the audience understand a little bit, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit of your story of, you know, of this adversity that you've had to go through in order to be able to connect uh, with the people that you do in the way that you do. Yeah. So I started eating disorder, you know, it's just the way I coped with life. I would say when I was between 12 and 13, it started for me. Um, just family dynamic stuff is just, you know, people have different way of coping. And I watched a, uh, a movie on Karen Carpenter, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know, she lost weight. And that was kind of my focus, you know, when you're in junior high. And I grew faster than a lot of my friends. And so I was just super self-conscious. And I didn't realize that I was kind of depressed and anxious at the time. And so I thought, well, I'll just try that for a little bit. And then, you know, None, nothing that happened to her would ever happen to me because I'll just try it for a little bit, lose a few pounds and I'll be good. Well, 12 years later, you know, I'm in an outpatient treatment program because I'm anxious and depressed and, you know, a couple of suicidal episodes, you know, just, yeah. And so going through all of that through 12 years of trying to beat the bulimia, short periods of anorexia stuff um, was definitely a challenge that started me on my road to to health for sure. When I went into the outpatient recovery program. Wow. It's hard to believe because I mean, so many young women go through this. I'm I'm sure it happens to men too, or or young boys. Um, But it happens at such a young age, this programming of, of not being good enough, the self-worth feeling uncomfortable in her body with all the hormonal changes that are happening. Um, You must, I mean, as a mom too, you know, um, how, how do you reflect on this now? And, and how do you see, um, you know, your ability to help women through this challenge so they, they don't have to go down the same road that you that you went on? Yeah, well, I think, you know, as a mom, and I'm sure Sony, you can relate to this is, you know, when you look at your kids, the things that triggered me, um, or the way that, you know, adults in my life responded to certain situations, I've been able to evaluate that over the years and not not respond or set up our lifestyle to kind of reflect that dynamic that might lead into an eating disorder. Um, and just providing, I don't know, more of a peaceful, safe environment that, you know, better able to cope with life in. And so I think when I'm working with women and, you know, they always like, okay, so now you're working with me, this, I have this child, I have this, you know, niece, or I have this, whatever. And, and, helping them to create that peaceful, loving environment, and then setting up food so that it's not scary, so that it's not a reward, it's not a punishment, it's it's just food. And so there's not that lead in or what I want to say, like, a, there's nothing, there's not an attachment to food that gives a negative or, or a positive connotation. Does that make sense? 
Like food should just be food just for our enjoyment, but not necessarily as a reward or as a safety or an emotional crutch or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So just trying to create that environment where that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really reflecting on the relationship with food. I think what you said before when your eating disorder started, because that was around the same time mine did, was 12, 13 and it really was more about control. So, so much of our lives are out of our control at that stage. And I'm very conscious of, you know, noticing our children's um, triggers around life and just like the little, little nuances, especially our oldest, he'll say things like, well, you're making all my decisions for me. And I go, oh, no, okay, I got to reflect on this. Because, <laughs> you, you know, because we as children at that time, we want some level of control in our lives and our ability to make our own decisions so it's just constant reflection when you've moved through something like that so that it doesn't get passed down through the next generation and and it gives you this edge to work with other kids and women so that you can support them from this other side of creating a a whole other understanding of what food really is it's just it's nourishment from the body right and i think our society has just created such a negative tone around food in I don't know how many different ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And some of it feels like, you know, our parents went through a different generation. Maybe there was, uh, you know, food scarcity at some point in their, in their right. experience. And it was kind of like, you know, if it's there, you got to, you know, eat everything on your plate. And, you know, that was definitely a dialogue that, that happened in our, our household growing up. And then in our generation, it was more of, you know, uh, sorry, some... there's a mosquito here. You didn't get it. It's gone. Um, but in our generation, this whole body image thing started to come in and it created a different kind of attachment or detachment towards food. And so, and then now we're in a different generation with, with younger, uh, younger kids, much more social media exposure. And, you know, it's probably more in their face, um, even, even, you know, compared to to you guys and what you went through. So, um, so enter into like, you know, what's, what's maybe some baby steps for people when they're, they've got this trouble past or this, this challenge that they've been through, what are some baby steps that you like to help to re-engage them into changing that relationship to food? Yeah. So I always start with, um, amino acid therapy. I mean, that's where it really shifted for me. I did quite a few years of counseling and all the talking in the world didn't break my cycle, right? You can't talk yourself out of what you're, I mean, I was, I was allergic to what I was addicted to. So I can't talk myself out of that. So until I was, I found out that I had, you know, food sensitivities and I could break that cycle. And then I used the amino acids. So I didn't crave all those foods anymore. Then, then I could work on the emotional stuff. But until that food component, that, that physical addiction was taken care of and my brain was actually nourished. Um, I couldn't go into the things that I really needed to go into emotionally or spiritually. So I would say the first step that I always work with people on is let's fix the brain. Let's balance the brain first. And cause we're top down. So if our brain doesn't work, nothing else works. So I work with the amino acid therapy, get the brain balanced. And then we go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so important. And you know, when we're in our cycle or we're in our pattern, it's really hard to see beyond that. It's like that saying the fish are the last to see the water, right? So (laughs) when you're really in it, you can't really shift out of that cycle until something physiologically changes in you and your brain kind of gives you a new signal or new neurons are connecting together so that there's a deeper understanding that this isn't who I am. This isn't my identity that I don't need to be stuck in this, this space. So that's where amino acids, like you're saying, are so beautifully 
intertwined into our nervous system. So what are some typical patterns that you see with um, anyone that's maybe had an eating disorder or even addictive behavior? Like what are some links that you've seen with certain amino acids or maybe short in certain individuals? Right. So I usually divide it up into four different neurotransmitters. So if we're looking at serotonin neurotransmitters, I see everyone who comes into me with an eating disorder is low in serotonin, hands down. So, you know, they're anxious, they're depressed, they have usually have OCD tendencies, they're hypersensitive, um, they get worse in the winter. Um, you know, they're, they're sensitive to a lot of emotional pain, that's sort of more of an endorphin issue too. But uh, a lot of cravings in the afternoon and in the evening, they have some phobias that are not normal phobias. You know, if you see a snake, okay, jump away. But these are phobias where, you know, maybe they're, are you guys afraid of snakes? I am. That's why we look at each other. <laughs> That's a whole other story yeah. that Sorry. we'll have to share another time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, like I used to be afraid of, of water on the sides of the road. I, I mean, really weird. Like I would have to drive down the middle of the road because it just brought me such anxiety on these couple of roads that are in our area. You know, when your serotonin is balanced, you can drive down the road and not be terrified of the water on either sides. You know what I mean? Um, so just some maybe kind of off the wall kind of phobia things. Um, TMJ, fibromyalgia, a lot of people don't realize if they have fibromyalgia, they can probably be low in serotonin issues. And so that's what I see a lot there. And then we kind of go into the endorphins and that's where you're using food or, um, you know, different activity for comfort, you know, so your addictive activity just brings you comfort for that emotional, your physical pain, or maybe, um, you know, you just have cravings all day long and that's sort of an, an endorphin issue. Um, people feeling overwhelmed, they can't take a deep breath and relax, you know, that's generally a GABA receptor issue. And then you get into where your brain just never, ever stops. You kind of got that ADD kind of rabbit trailing thoughts all the time. Um, your energy is super low. So then we get into the catecholamines, dopamine. And of course, all that goes back to blood sugar regulation then too, as you guys know, working on that and adrenal function. So covering all those different areas, but those are pretty much the typical things that you see when people come in. And a lot of times they just can't stop crying. You know, a lot of women are like, I just cry all the time for no reason. And then they feel like they're crazy. I'm like, no, your endorphins are low. It's okay. Let's take <laughs> Yay. And they take and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel joy. Mm, <laughs> and yeah. it's a beautiful thing because it happens right in the office when I do it. And so people are like, ah, what else do you have? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a light bulb goes off. Can we highlight those four things again? Sorry. Serotonin. So, so serotonin. Endorphins, catecholamines, and GABA. Awesome. So just for everybody listening to to see, because I mean, we can all see little pieces of ourselves in, in some of those mm -hmm. different deficiencies, right? So right. someone's in your office. Let's talk about that. That's fascinating to see that people are having this experience. They're, they're maybe in their, in their, they're in their addictive behavior. They're in their uh, dysfunctional pattern right there in front of you. Uh, what happens next? So we just take, you know, a capsule of whatever supplement I decide will say L-tryptophan because that's the one that I normally start with first. We open up the capsule, put it underneath the tongue, and I have them hold it there for a couple minutes. And I'm looking for a shift. So do they notice anything different cognitively? Do they notice anything different emotionally? Do they feel something different physically? And so a lot of times they don't on the first one, but sometimes they do. And if they don't notice anything, we'll do a second one. But we're waiting for that something feels different, you know, and I never tell them what they're going to expect because I never want to plant a seed. So, um, but you know, oftentimes they'll be like, 
my brain feels lighter or I think I see sunshine for the first time or, you know, it's just interesting to what people will say, how they're feeling. But when you notice a shift, you notice a shift. And it's a beautiful thing to watch people change right before your eyes within five minutes. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we all know about the gut brain connection and with serotonin specifically, like you were saying, yeah. most individuals with eating disorders, their serotonin is going to be low. Do you notice that once you start amino acid therapy, that their gut also shifts or do you need to do other things to help support their gut so that that too can support their own serotonin production? So how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So there's, generally a shift when we start with just the brain supplementation, because, you know, 80% of your serotonin is in your gut. So the supplement obviously affects the gut motility, those kind of things too. And then once they're able to control their cravings or they're in a better mood, then we really work on the gut as a whole. But, you know, I use this basic supplementation to start with L-glutamine, um, which is great for brain balancing too. And like ion, I know you guys use that kind of thing. Um, and then we dig deeper as we, as we go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's such an important area to start for people because when that, when that brain is in that chronic state of inflammation, it's hard to make good decisions. Like you yeah. can lay out a, an amazing diet plan that has everything they need to know. And there, and it's just a sense of overwhelm. Mm-hmm. You know, how could I possibly start changing the food that I'm eating when I feel so horrible inside? And so I, yeah, I love that you brought attention to that. And, and I think that people, when they listen to this, they're going to be in disbelief a little bit because they, you know, Oh, really? You just pop a cap under your tongue and all of a sudden you can feel the shift. Um, I would say that, that more people, uh, most people don't realize how sensitive they actually are to all right. these subtle changes. And when you're actually sitting with the emotional state, the physiological state, the energy state, and you're just giving them time to actually reflect on what's happening in their body, that, that may in fact be the first time they've ever done that too, which is just, mm-hmm. a, you know, what an experience. You know, I mean, Sonia and I talk about this all the time in yoga it's, the, the yoga we teach is about the yoga of experience. We don't know what we don't know. And you're giving them this opportunity to actually just be with themselves in this space and then just notice that subtle change that can show up in a moment. I mean, that's right. what, a, what an amazing gift. It makes people nervous. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it does. What am I supposed to feel? I don't know. I don't want to give you the wrong answer. And yeah. it, it takes the, you know people just a little while to unwind. Yeah. And to be okay with not knowing what they're supposed to expect, because mm-hmm. we can't always know what to expect. And pretty much most of life, we don't mm-hmm. know exactly what we're supposed to expect. Mm-hmm. And so people come to us and they're so disconnected with who they are physically, emotionally, spiritually, really. Mm-hmm. We just kind of go through life at a fast, sympathetic pace and without ever stopping and wondering what's going on in here. Mm-hmm. It that, becomes the normal, right? And the, the unknown is scary. So it is. Often, it is. People get really scary unknown. Yeah, I don't know if you see this in your practice, but often um, people that are in that state too, sometimes they don't even feel like they deserve that other side or they deserve to feel joy, even though I feel like it's their everyone's birthright to feel yeah. and experience that. But often we get stuck in this state. So there's so much emotion of like guilt and shame and all these other things that are showing up. So how do you help somebody navigate through those processes as you're working with them with the amino acid therapy and changing their, their brain patterning essentially? So honestly, a lot of times we don't have to work through that because once your brain is balanced, you don't gravitate to that guilt, shame, condemnation Mm -hmm. thought processes. 
which is a beautiful part of that too, because, you know, people come in and they're so frustrated because they just don't have the willpower. And, you know, I try to explain that it's not about willpower. It's the fact that you're, you still have this addiction. You still have this food craving because your brain isn't balanced and it's a relief to them. And then once we get it balanced, they're not in that cycle anymore. So there's not that guilt, shame, condemnation cycle, or if there is, you know, they're really able to, to shift out of that at a, in, in a better place. Do you ever find people get addicted to the amino acid therapy? No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great question. That's a great question. Yeah. Cause but you know, no. when you start feeling well and there's, there can be fear. Well, if I stop taking this, am I going to go back down that road again? Yeah. I say that rarely happens. That fear rarely happens. And if there's still fear, then we still have a serotonin issue. <laughs> Right. Yes. Good point. But a lot of times yeah. when people, are, their brain are balanced, they just kind of forget to take their aminos and then they'll send me a message like, I haven't taken GABA in two weeks and I just realized it and I feel really good. I'm like, great, then you don't need to take it anymore and just mm-hmm. keep it on hand as a tool in case you have those feelings again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we talked a lot about, you know, how we, how people can get here from, you know, early, early childhood trauma or just early stressors. Uh, what are some other ways that, that you feel are playing a big role in the impact on these neurotransmitter levels in the brain, um, you know, in, in life, in, in the world that we live in? What, what are some other causes for uh, neuro, neurotransmitter depletion? So the obvious one I would say would be our food supply. Mm-hmm. You know, we're so depleted because our food is so depleted and people just pick the wrong food, you know. lot of processed food depletes our neurotransmitters because there's no tryptophan in in our meat anymore or you know in the eggs and the other proteins that we eat because the animals are so depleted so we're not getting nourished that way and if we're eating you know beans and nuts and seeds you know if we're not eating organic they're heavily sprayed and so then you know all those amino acids and that source of protein is gone as well or you know diminished so i think that's obvious and then the chemicals that are in our food block the receptor sites so and then you get into, you know, brain injuries. There's so many more brain injuries now just because of the society that we live in, the fast pace, the cars, the sports, um, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think those yeah. are the big ones. Yeah, and then those you are huge. Electromagnetic frequencies, EMFs. I really think that plays a huge part in neurotransmitter production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you really said that about the food, because often um, people will think that if they eat well, then everything should be okay. Like I shouldn't need these extra amino acids or these extra nutrients, but really our soil is so depleted. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, all the chemicals and if we're not eating organic, and even if we're eating organic, our soil that is used to grow that organic food isn't the same as before. So right. we're kind of living in a time where it's, this is nece- necessary now, not just a choice. Yeah, I think that's frustrating to people because they're like, I don't, I don't want to have to take supplements. I don't want to have to do this or do that. Well, I don't want to either. I don't like taking supplements <laughs> either. You know, mm-hmm. you should see our our cabinet. I know <laughs> one huge cabinet just full of supplements. Yeah, yeah. and we don't our take. Kids all will them. never know a time where they don't have to take a supplement. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't help but think that, you know, when we're, when we're describing this journey for people, a, a lot of people, are, again, are sitting in this disbelief of, you know, I, I take a supplement, I start to feel a little bit better, I start, start to feel change. What's an expectation for that individual once they start that amino acid therapy? You know, what does it look like? 
Um, is it a month long? Is it three months? I mean, obviously it's different for everybody, but what's a typical program uh, you might put someone on for, for what length of, length of time? Yeah, so I always tell people to commit to 90 days. Um, a lot of people feel better, you know, within 24 hours. Maybe not all better, but you feel that shift and that's what's going on. And then it, it continues to get better because amino acids really have, you know, like I said, I guess you sit in my office and within two to five minutes, we know what's going, you know, that there's going to be a shift or not. So that reaction happens pretty quickly. And then you combine them all together over extended period of time. But for your body to get replenished, you have to give it at least 90 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you? Notice the difference between, say, so now going to like women's health um, between menstruating women and menopausal women. And the reason why I say that is just, you know, GABA and progesterone are very much connected and progesterone kind of opens up all those receptors in our brain. So GABA can join that receptor. So do you notice um, a difference? Maybe does it take longer for menopausal women to feel that shift or do you cycle the GABA throughout the, the month? For women, is there any different things that you're doing? Yeah, that's a great question because I you do notice a difference between you know premenopausal and postmenopausal women for sure. Um, it's, it can be a little more challenging for postmenopausal women just because if their hormones are really low, you know that estrogen, progesterone, um, with the, the GABA and the serotonin production, it, it's it is more challenging. And so you know we're able to address their hormones and the amino acids, we get a lot better, better result for them. Um, I do, some women do need some cycling with the amino acids. And so it's so individual. So a lot of times, you know, we'll have a certain dose from menstruation to ovulation, and then we have a higher dose, or maybe even a lower dose, but usually it's a higher dose of serotonin or and GABA, you know, from um, ovulation to menstruation. Mm-hmm. just to get them through that hump. I know for me, I had to take um, a lot more serotonin, a lot more L-tryptophan um, mm-hmm. in the latter part of my cycle when I was doing the amino acid therapy for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, so we talked about GABA, serotonin, or tryptophan. Um, tyrosine's probably the one that's being used for the catecholamines, I'm assuming. Right. Right. And then, and what about the endorphins? What are the typical amino acids used for endorphin building? Yeah. So DPA, D-phenylalanine or D-L-phenylalanine. Yeah. Yeah. D-L-phenylalanine can be used for the catecholamines too, because it does work on both endorphins and dopamine. Mm -hmm. And and do you have an opinion? So we use IV therapy when it comes Mm -hmm. to amino acids as well. So have you noticed a difference in an individual doing IV versus um, capsulated and maybe more on a daily basis, whereas IV, they're, they're maybe coming in once or twice a week or once a week, unless it's our... Um, recovery program where they're coming in every single day, but do you, yeah, do you have any um, research or any input on any differences? Yeah. So I think, I think if you can combine that therapy, especially for people who are in an addictive state Mm -hmm. or some severe depression, I think that's best if you have that available where you are. Um, We haven't always had that available where I am. So we just, you know, really rely on the um, oral amino acids, but I can Mm -hmm. see where the combination of the therapy is, is amazing. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed in the past year, you're having more individuals show up that need the amino acid therapy just because of the world that we're living in today? Yeah, I've been getting a lot of calls lately. You know, I, I, I mean, that's who I attract anyway. So I don't know if it's necessarily a huge influx, but I think it just looks different. Mm-hmm. People who probably wouldn't have called me a couple of years ago are the people that are calling now, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
not for food or, you know, it's just, it's a different kind of depression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Isolation, you know, uh, just missing that connectivity kind of depression. Yeah. That oxytocin that we all need. It's different. It's just a different feeling for people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, no. One of the most commonly prescribed medications probably on the planet across the globe is antidepressants. Right. And so when people are probably given the prescription, most of the doctors are probably telling them, you know, make sure you don't take any 5-HTP while you're on this because it's going to trigger serotonin syndrome. I usually tell people that's because the amino acid's working. It's time to, you know, change the dose of the medication. But how do you help uh, navigate navigate this for people? And it's not like some crisis is going on. It's actually your body is getting the benefit of that amino acid. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So if somebody comes to me on their, they're on one, you know, like SSRI or SNRI, um, I make sure that we use amino acids, serotonin only. So L-tryptophan or 5-HTP, um, at least six hours away from when they took their dose. So then we pretty much avoid those kind of symptoms. And then I just help them navigate, you know, when you start feeling, you know, X, Y, Z, then we need to start, you know, talking with your doc about cutting back. And so I really want them to work with their doctor to cut back on the medication so that we can move that serotonin supplement earlier in the day so that we can, you know, replenish those amino acids all day long. Otherwise, you know, we're kind of, we're taking a little step forward, but we're still kind of hitting that wall as we, as we work together. Now, if they're on two different SSRIs, um, I won't touch their, their uh, serotonin levels with L-tryptophan or 5-HTP until, you know, they're on one you know, and they work with their doctor to do that. I never take anybody off of that because I'm not a doctor, but um, we have to navigate that. But you can work with all the other amino acids if they're on an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. Just yeah, I mean, yeah, and I mean, that's so common. And, and one of the, the trickiest ones for people is the benzodiazepines, mm. you know, especially in, you know, medication, medication withdrawal or addiction withdrawal, yeah. or, you know. Um, so is there a role to play for amino acids when coming off these uh, aminos? Or sorry, off these benzos. Yeah, because it can really decrease those those side effects, the withdrawal side effects for sure. Yeah. 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 We, I mean, we noticed that with the IV program that we run. You know, we get people off off the medications. You know, when they're ready, of course, there has there has to be mm-hmm. the right timing exactly. in their life. Yeah. You know, yeah. they have to be ready to take something on, and obviously, we're guiding them through the process. But um, I mean, it's I think it's important for people to realize and I mean, the doctors who are prescribed them prescribing them for the patients also don't want to see them on these meds for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, right. it, it sort of becomes this thing where like, I, it seems like it's the only thing that's helping you that that's in the toolbox that, that I have. And so we're going to stay on them. But I think, you know, the doctor who is working with them absolutely would love to see that individual come off. And so I think it's important for even people to hear that, like, Hey, mm-hmm. your, your doctor would support you or will yeah. support you as you, as you change. But I, I may be one or two doctors over the years who were super hesitant. And then after you talk to them and they see the difference on the other amino acids, then they're on board. I have really yet to have a doctor's like, no, you can't do this with my patient. So they're, they're open. So I, I always encourage my clients, don't be afraid of your doctor. Yeah. You know, they really want to help you. Yeah. They really yeah. do. <laughs> yeah. I know it's, it's funny. I think it's, this is implied, you know, complex that we put on our, our GPs and just go like, well, they, they just want to give me medication. And I really don't think that that's the case at all. I, I really 
I truly believe that the doctor that you have for the you know 99% of the time absolutely wants to see you thrive. And, and I think sometimes we just need to hear that message, mm-hmm, totally. you know, you just have to remember the environment that they're in and what their, what their box is, what their limitations mm-hmm. are. Just like I, there's things that they do that I can't do, you know, mm-hmm. that's not in my box. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. not in yeah. My, so. yeah. There was a few times that you mentioned um, L-tryptophan versus 5-HTP. So if you can maybe bring some light into when you would use one over the other and why? Okay, so I generally start with L-tryptophan because it can be converted into 5-HTP, niacin, and then we go down that whole conversion line, right? So it's more nutritive to the brain. So I like to start there. So then your body gets to decide what it would like to convert it into. Um, some people just don't respond to tryptophan. So then I go to 5-HTP, but I generally start with L-tryptophan just because I don't know. I just like the body to be able to decide and 5-HTP only converts into serotonin mm-hmm. and it's a great supplement and it works really well for a lot of people, but I mm-hmm. start with L-tryptophan first. Okay. And have you ever seen anyone not shift? Like, have there been like toxicity issues or conversion issues or other things going on? And it's just taking a lot longer than what you would expect. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I say, you know, about 80, 85% of the people feel something with at least one of the amino acids. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you have 10, 15% of people that just got nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we have a lot of stuff to work on anyway, if you respond to the amino acids, well, sometimes we just can't start with the amino acids. We have to start in another area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about some other interactions? I mean, tyrosine is often given for you know, even thyroid production and whatnot. So maybe if someone's in a hyperthyroid state, um, and maybe you probably wouldn't be giving that amino acid anyways. So. But right. uh, just for, you know, some other things for people to pay attention to, because I'm sure people are going to listen and, and are going to want to experiment a little bit. And obviously we, we're all, we always recommend, you know, work with a, a practitioner who knows what they're doing. Um, however, in saying that, uh, what are some other maybe contraindications, um, say like the tyrosine and hyperthyroid and, or, or, or something else? Right, exactly. So if you have a Hashimoto's diagnosis, you know, don't experiment with tyrosine because that will make you really intense and it could just put you in a state of, you know, insomnia, which we don't definitely don't want you in. Right. Um, if you have a carcinoid tumor, you know, that's a, has a lot of serotonin receptors, you know, you don't mess with your serotonin. Um, there's been some research, you know, with lymphatic cancer, you maybe, you know, watch the serotonin and, um, I wouldn't use L-glutamine, you know, in those kind of cases, if you're super sensitive to supplements, just in general, you know, be super cautious with amino acids too. It's just food, you know, they're amino acids, it's just food. And, you know, if you're sensitive, you still could be sensitive to those. Um, if you're on, you know, the MAOI inhibitors, you're on SSRIs, SNRIs, you know, benzodiazepines, you just want to be cautious. Just anything that you already are imposing on your brain, you want to take caution with the amino acids and obviously consult your, your practitioner in those cases. Mm-hmm. But really, there's not a lot of contraindications for the amino acids. So it's like I said, it's food. Yeah. (laughs) What about uh, brain injury, like trauma, head trauma, concussion? Um, Are you thinking, you know, D-phenylalanine because of the the, the pain syndrome or like, what are some other things that would come to mind with, with these people with chronic head injuries? Well, usually there's a lot of depression and anxiety, maybe some OCD processing, um, fibromyalgia. So then you get into the serotonin 
you know, those kind of things. GABA generally works, generally works really well because they have a hard time processing stress. Um, so, and I, and I always use a full spectrum amino acid mm -hmm. with them as well. And, you know, pregnant nursing moms, you know, that's another precaution. There's not really any research out there for the individual amino acids at higher doses. So I generally just stick with the broad spectrum amino acids unless we really need to work um, targeted, you know, with some of those moms. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, it works yeah. great with brain injury. I love amino acids and brain injury. It's just like little light bulbs. Come on. So. Yeah. <laughs> so amazing to see that in another. So in your bio, and this is something that I didn't know about you, is that you had a cancer diagnosis. And if you're comfortable, could you share a little bit about your story around that with us? Oh, sure. I would love to. So that was in um, 2007, March 2007. So that's been little over 14 years ago, I had a rare um, melanoma diagnosis and I actually shouldn't be here. So it was that rare and that aggressive and um, I was radically healed. So, I mean, that's, that's the, the short of it. Um, but it, within that, I got to uh, experience some different uh, holistic therapy that I hadn't done before. And so, you know, my, my prayer was, Lord, you know, take this away like just eradicate it, which he did. And I said, because, you know, I was already in the mindset that I wouldn't do, you know, you know, conventional therapy. And so either you take it away or you show me away because uh, I don't, I was the healthiest person I knew. So I never expected a cancer diagnosis. And so, so I got doors open to me to learn that, you know, I, I still had, I didn't know I had heavy metal issues. That was never anything I had learned about before. Um, so that's when I got introduced to, you know, heavy metal detoxing. Mm -hmm. and you know how that was connected with candida because I was never really able to get rid of that and I found out that I still had um antibiotics in my system that I took you know when I was in my teen years you know just different energetic testing biofeedback blood testing and stuff like I still had a lot of junk inside of me and so that's kind of where I was able to start digging deeper and and, and healing my body in that way which is obviously carried over and how I met you guys into mm -hmm. that we're, we're in together right now, as far as, you know, heavy metal detoxing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And here but you are I, now helping so many people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been amazing, but it, the cancer was an amazing journey. Like I said, I didn't expect it, you know, and I got radically healed, which I am forever grateful for because I honestly, with the diagnosis that I had, I shouldn't be here. Um, so I get to watch my kids grow up and, uh, my son just got married. So, you know, oh, I get congratulations. To... Thank you. Grandkids mm -hmm. later. And my daughter's 14 and she was five months old when I got the diagnosis. So wow. um, I was still nursing her and I'm like, I, I can't leave. <laughs> yeah. It's not time you got for things me. to do. Nope. Nope. And I knew I was called to more. So thankfully mm -hmm. I'm still here. Yeah. Well, we're thankful you're still here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't help but reflect when you were talking about this, um, and and I think it was a really important message that there's there's things from your past that were still lingering in the tissues of the body. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think people often just live, you know, uh, something happened yesterday, therefore it's a problem today, uh, but they don't really look at this timeline of their health. And so, you know, what are some of those ahas that you had uh, in this experience where you're like, wow, like you mentioned the antibiotics, oh my goodness, there's yeah. still a part of it. I had no idea. I, you know, I, I knew it took a while for our body to process the antibiotics medication in general out of your body, but I didn't realize if your lymphatic system wasn't working well, 
Um, if you still had some emotional, I mean, emotional trauma, our cells hold emotion. I didn't realize that until then, you know, I kind of had an, you know, I knew we just kind of hold on to emotion, but the fact that your cells hang on to your emotion, your DNA still hangs on to your emotion and that affects your immune system. That was a huge revelation to me. So it made me all the more motivated to work through things that I still needed to work through, you know, emotionally, and just to do a lot of surrender, you know, the things that I didn't have control over, because obviously that affects and just to give it to the Lord. And, you know, that that's healing in and of itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, I think the way you started our call today, just talking about how disconnected we can walk through life. And when we we're not connected to our bodies, to our emotions and to that spirit realm too. And however, and any individual connects to that, it's just such an important piece that makes us feel like ourselves. And yeah. we're not running in this like rat race of just like getting to the next thing from the, the first thing and losing sight of why we're even here and what our purpose is. So I think sometimes a diagnosis like that is the gift that mm -hmm. gives us that insight into all of that. Definitely has made me more intentional mm -hmm. about everything that I do. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Lori, I mean, people are going to want to know how they can access the information you have. And you, you put together this amazing uh, brain quiz uh, for people to identify maybe where there's some imbalances. Uh, can you talk a little bit about those resources you have for, for the listeners? Sure. So I have a takebackmybrainquiz.com. You can go there and get, get that. And that just goes through those four different areas that we talked about, your serotonin, your endorphins, your catecholamines, and your GABA. So you just fill out the form, just kind of figure out some areas that you're low in and that'll give you an idea of, you know, what you need to work on. Um, you can find me at thelorihammer.com. If, and then I'm on, I stopped being on Instagram and Facebook right now, just because I got censored and I can't post a whole lot. So I'm on Telegram. <laughs> You're on Facebook jail. Okay. Facebook jail still. Yeah. Still uh -huh. in Facebook jail. So I'm on Telegram. You can find me on Telegram. Lori Hammer, take back my brain. Mm. And then Lori's in Iowa for those of you who are. I am in Iowa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Thank you. So I have a last question for you. And um, if you know, you've already had this experience of seeing the fragility of life and how quickly things can change. And so where you are today, if that moment were to come again, what's the imprint that you'd like to leave in this world? Mm, that's such a great question. Um, first and foremost, I, I just want my kids to, um, I want to leave the legacy that goes on with them so that they are able to love and have compassion on people, you know, from my heart, you know, that they would, they would still take that with them wherever they go. And, and I see that in my kids right now. And so their compassion for people definitely is, is carrying forward. So I love that. And then I want to leave that with everyone else because um, we're here to help each other thrive in, in this world. We're here to love each other and to embrace. And I think if anything we've learned in this past year is that, that, physical embrace and, or, you know, even that embrace from a distance is priceless. And so I just want, I want people to know that they can embrace each other and whatever your gifting is that in that embrace, you're able to impart that gift to other people. That's beautiful. Thank you. It's amazing. It's amazing. Laura, you've got such uh, an incredible way of looking at how healing is possible in the body and, and your faith and the, how you lean into, you know, your conviction, whether it be in your practice, your family, 
your relationship to God. I mean, all of it's just so beautiful. And, and there's, there's a simplicity in how, how, how you relate information for people, which I think is really beautiful. It's, mm -hmm. it's like this, so these complex subjects and you make it so easy. And, and I remember when we got a chance to listen yeah. to you in our coaching call, it was like, Oh, Lori has such a beautiful way of describing things in such a simple way that it's so inviting. And so, you know, I just, you're just such a gift to, to everyone that you work with because you, you make these, like I said, complex things really simple and it's, it's yeah, really you know, good teacher. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love it. Thank you very yeah. much. And so, a joy to be here. I love, I love spending time with the two of you. I can't yeah. wait to we'll do it again soon. I know physically in person. I can't wait. Person. One day. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. sooner than later. Hopefully that's sooner. for sure. Yes. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You guys thank are you amazing. So much. Oh, this thank you. Amazing. I always enjoy listening to your podcast. So thank you for having me on. It's, it's a treat. Oh, thank Absolutely. you for coming. So just, just for everybody again, uh, the, the name of the quiz, just because that, I'm sure they, take they back maybe missed my it. Brain quiz. Mm -hmm. And we'll put it in the show notes. We will. Yeah, so okay. take back my brain quiz.com. Mm -hmm. Do your brain quiz, yes. get it figured out. And yeah. if you need more guidance, definitely reach out to Lori for, for some more help. So thank you again. And we'll see you soon, hopefully sooner than later. Yes. Right? We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.